Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast and Happy New Year to you. I hope this next year is your best year yet, a year of restoration, a year of reset, a year of prosperity and a year of ever deeper meaning for you and love in your life. All right, let's get to it. As I sit here right now, it's Monday, the 4th of January, 2021. And the new Congress has been sworn in just yesterday on Sunday. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. Mitch McConnell, of course, heads the Senate. And we are off to the races. So let me dive into a couple of topics that are really critical and that are really going to be critical this particular week. First of all, you have had a civics lesson of late in how pork gets poured into legislation in Washington, D.C. Oh, man, have you had it. And I want to say, I want to speak to this because it's really critical for how legislation is perceived outside of Washington, D.C. Many times you will hear reported, I'm going to use my own name just, 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 just for example, of course, I've never served in Congress, but Congressman Mansfield voted against uh, giving money to hurting little girls, let's say. Let's say that's the report in the news. Well, the fact is that I may have opposed that bill. Yes, that included funding for giving money to hurting little girls, but also had a great deal of excessive spending for things that maybe I don't agree with, or I just don't agree with that excessive spending, given how much we're blowing the budget these days and our excessive national debt. So you have seen examples of this just recently. As you know, over the holidays, there was a great debate about a COVID-19 bill. When it was all discussed, all debated, of course, it had been debated for months. When it was all debated, um, the result was that hurting Americans would get about $600. Well, I mean, that's not nothing, but it certainly isn't going to rescue anybody from their difficult economic times after all of the devastation that has occurred. And the question became, well, if you gave us $2,000 back in the spring, why only $600 now? Well, those of us who watch legislation being made, which, by the way, is a lot like watching sausages be made. It's not very pleasant uh, here in Washington, D.C., where I'm sitting right now. You become aware that the, the goal of a given piece of legislation often gets lost as other stuff is super glued to that legislation. For example, you may have heard that a great many conservative uh, statesmen, congressmen, senators opposed the recent COVID-19 bill. And when they did, of course, other folks said, you're cold-hearted, you don't care about the American people. Why, how could you possibly, in these difficult economic times, vote down giving people $600? Well, for many of those who opposed it, and I, 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 was, in, I was in favor of a larger number being given to the, to, to the American people who were hurting, um, for many of those who opposed it, it was because of all the pork that had been put into the bill. Just listen to this for just a moment. In the COVID-19 bill that re recently passed, and then, then there were some, some attempted revisions, um, the, the goal was to put funds into her, in the hands of hurting Americans. That's a legitimate goal. During a time of crisis, it's perfectly 
fine. It does not violate conservative principles. It what it's partially what government is there for. And I think the larger number, the two thousand dollars, should have been put in the hands of American of the American people, those who are hurting. And additional funds should have, should be voted very very soon. But listen to what got larded into the legislation. Literally got super glued on it. Picture legislation going through Congress, uh, almost like a train, and people from their offices are just throwing on great big packages. What well, we use the word pork, but but all their favorite pieces of legislation. So in this bill that was attempt that was supposed to be a rescue bill for the American people, there was 15 million for Pakistan. By the way, basically gender studies in Pakistan, and that being translated in a Nancy Pelosi Congress means abortion services. 36 million for Cambodia, 130 million for Nepal, 135 million for Burma, $453 million for the Ukraine, $700 million for the Sudan, and more than a billion dollars for some new Smithsonian museums in Washington, D.C. Now that comes to two or three billion dollars and that, by the way, this isn't all the pork that was in the bill. Uh, one of the provisions of the bill didn't have anything to do with money. It had to do with the uh, who was going to be the successor to the Dalai Lama and a studies group and a committee formed to deal with that. So that has to be debated and considered on the floor of Congress while American people are hurting and our economy is in trouble. This goes on all the time. You have lobby groups, you have international lobby groups, you have domestic lobby groups. They have certain congressmen, certain senators who are sort of in their pockets, who are sort of their champions. And if you propose that we feed the ducks, you know, in the reflecting pool uh, in Washington, D.C., that legislation is going to end up with, you know, how, how to buy new tanks for this country or how to negotiate a trade deal for that country or gee we need research on uh, how to get uh, you know how to prevent land uh, snowfall in certain parts of Alaska I mean it just gets crazy you can't believe the stuff that's in this bill this is just some of the bigger dollar stuff in this bill well, the same thing happened in the earlier COVID bill. You remember back in the spring, we had a bill that helps people. And some of you got uh, money. I believe it was $2,000 um, each. Uh, and so some of us who didn't even need the money ended up getting money. Bev and I got to check $4,000 and we used it for other purposes, uh, you know, benevolence and what have you. But my point is um, that we all got that money. But in that bill, if you go back and examine that bill, the total of that bill, uh, it was there. There was a huge money for abortion services in the United States. Now, this is what Nancy Pelosi does. I've told you before. I've met her. I like her at a personal level. I don't agree with her much politically. And what she does is every time there's a major bill that goes through Congress, she packs in abortion services like it's the meaning of life. And so she had hundred, I think a couple hundred million dollars for abortion services in a bill that was supposed to be about relieving the American people. Now, wherever you are on abortion, and you know where I am, I'm pro-life, but wherever you are on abortion, that, that, should, that is not part of the relief effort um, during a, a pandemic. We don't need more funding for Planned Parenthood. We don't need more abortion clinics. We don't need more uh, abortion services during the pandemic. That wasn't the goal of the legislation. That's not what most people need. In fact, uh, the actual number of abortions is dropping during this time. Why? Because people are staying home and they're not going to get medical services as much and et cetera, et cetera. We can talk about that another time. 
So this is what happens in D.C. And be careful when you hear someone being attacked for their stand on a certain bill, because it may not be the actual meaning of the bill. Uh, for example, I'm saying just making this up to be a little, little humorous and sarcastic, but to illustrate, let's say there's a bill called loving God and making life a better, better in America. Well, who, who could who could disagree with that, except maybe the most extreme atheist? But the bill might have that name and actually have $500 million in it, um, you know, for, for abortion services. Or it might have $500 million in it, um, you know, for moving the grave of Muammar Gaddafi or some crazy thing like that. You can't believe the stuff that gets in this legislation. Or $100 million in it um, to, to examine the use of peyote by, uh, you know, Native Americans and Arizona. I mean, this kind of thing. And you just end up with a bill that's larded. So later it said Congressman so-and-so didn't vote to love God and make life better in America. But the reality is the bill got swamped with all this pork. Okay. The other tactic that you've seen played out in this recently is that that bill was handed to those who had to vote on it with only six hours notice. It was a five and a half thousand page bill. Now this is standard. And by the way, this is also, and I saw, I know I'm sounding awfully hateful of Nancy Pelosi who has a number of virtues, but this is standard stuff. When she wants to get, because she's speaker of the house, when she wants to get something through Congress that she knows is going to be controversial, she holds it till the time when people are heading home or they're distracted by holidays or got other business about to go to recess. She throws it at them. Uh, the vote is called within a matter of hours. Nobody can read a five and a half thousand page document, especially in the language of legislation, which is makes you want to scratch your eyes out with boredom uh, within six hours and then go and make an intelligent vote. And that's exactly what happened to this legislation. Now, it got a little bit delayed, a little bit de debated because it got voted down initially. But in the initial vote was expected to be upon a 5,500-page uh, 5, document, and they had less than six hours to consider it. This is what's going on in D.C., and we've got to, we've got to see a change. All right, so that legislation is going forward. Americans are going to get some money. It's still being debated. Uh, there's hope for a change. People need help. We've got to rev up the economy. It gets paid back in taxes eventually. I'm absolutely not a Keynesian, for those of you who know what that is. I'm a conservative, but at times like these, you've got to provide some relief, and it makes a difference, and it helps, and it revs up the economy, and now's the time. But this has been an exercise in absolute political cynicism in Washington, D.C. All right, let's talk about briefly the other thing that is dominating the headlines uh, in our news, and that is, as I sit here today, this is Monday, January 4th, 2021. On Wednesday, the 6th, the 2000, the November election for president of the United States that apparently elected Joe Biden will be certified by Congress. The Electoral College vote will be certified. And there's a great deal of controversy with him. Donald Trump says that he absolutely won the election. He's actually called, by the way, a Georgia election official and told him exactly how many votes he needs in that state, an act which technically is illegal. Uh, he has insisted that he won the election. He is encouraging um, a pretty strong cadre of congressmen and senators to protest the vote. Uh, there's pressure on uh, Vice President Pence to decertify the vote, et cetera, et cetera. Quite a bit of controversy. Well, let me, let me speak to this. First of all, I believe that by the end of Wednesday, the 6th of January, 2021, 
Joe Biden will be president of the United States. Kamala Harris will be vice president. I'm not happy about either one of those things, but the likelihood is, and the almost 100% certainty is that they will be certified. People are protesting perhaps because they believe that the election was not legitimate. They are certainly protesting to position themselves for future conservative leadership. They realize that the leadership in the GOP is up for grabs to some extent. And so you distinguish yourself by making a stink in D.C. and they are making a stink. I'm not saying they're all cynical. I'm not saying they none of them believe their case. But uh, I think that a lot of them, I won't name any names, are about positioning themselves for future runs for the presidency and future runs for their current office. Now, here's what I want you to know. I've already said in this podcast that I believe in every national election, there's a little bit of corruption because we don't know if the if the poll captain in Bucksnort, Tennessee, my favorite town to pick on, a little town outside of Nashville, we don't know that things were done 100% ethically. Uh, but uh, so there's a little bit. The question is, is it enough to change a national election? And the answer in this particular case seems to be no. The reality is that there have been over 50 rulings by courts in response to filings by some Trump-supporting person, organization, lawyer. And in every case, Trump's claim to election corruption has been dismissed or ruled against. Now, we got to consider that. I know that some of you listening to this, you, you really are convinced that there was massive corruption in this election. What I want you to hear is, is that at this point, there has been no exposure of any massive corruption anywhere. I'm not saying this because I'm a Joe Biden supporter. I'm saying this because I think our system largely works and I don't want us to damage our republic. The other thing you need to hear is that even in courts with conservative judges, I'll reference, for example, the Fifth Circuit Court. The Fifth Circuit Court is a court of appeals that operates largely in parts of Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi. Okay, It, is, it has recently uh, refused a ca- filing a case, an appeal, uh, by Trump forces and has done so with prejudice. And all of the justices on the Fifth Court of, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, all of them were appointed by Republican presidents. All of them are conservatives, and yet they wouldn't even hear the case. This has happened over and over and over. So it's not just a left-leaning judiciary that is trying to rob Donald Trump of the presidency. I'm trying to tell you that in almost 50 cases, not once has a U.S. court given any credence to the claims of Donald Trump and those who are filing lawsuits in his behalf. Now, I'm not God. I didn't see every polling place. I didn't watch every polling chairman, captain. They call them different things in different states. I I can't certify that there was absolutely not one ballot wrongly, you know, filed in any state. I can't. Of course we can't. We don't know that. At this point, with more than a month, almost two months, well, two months since the election, as I sit here right now, there's not been any evidence of any corruption. And when there has been a recount in any state, it has confirmed the original number within a certain small margin of error, which is natural to happen when you recount ballots, but certainly not anything that indicates corruption. 
Again, I'm saying this as a conservative. I'm saying this as a guy who grieves the results of the last election. I'm saying this as a guy um, who is sorry that this is the result of our national voting. I think I think we've elected a very weak president and a dangerous vice president. And I've made that point without malice. But what I'm trying to say to those of you who are conservatives uh, like me and may who be be tempted to be caught up in the furor that's going to envelop the, um, this city I'm sitting in right now, Washington, D.C., uh, along about this next week. By the time you listen to this podcast, in fact, it may be over. Um, the fact is that there is not any evidence to support this case. There's not any evidence to support the idea that. Joe Biden stole this election. There's not any evidence to support the idea that people snuck into polling stations and did horribly corrupt things. Again, I'm quite sure that at a local level, some corrupt things did happen because it happens in every election. Did it happen on a scale as to change this election? Joe Biden has won the presidency by 7 million votes. We've had presidents elected, popular presidents elected with a whole lot less. George W. Bush, um, John F. Kennedy, I could go on and on. And so my point is not let's just lie back and take take whatever Joe Biden wants to give us and because he's legitimately elected. All the evidence right now is that the election was fairly held and that it, he was legitimately elected. And now I think conservatives should oppose him in every way they possibly can. We are about to have a deluge of left-leaning legislation and, and presidential proclamation and what have you. And I think we're going to have to battle for it, battle against it, I mean. So But what I want us to settle down about is that when you start saying elections were stolen, when you start asking Congress to overturn the votes of the majority of the American people, uh, when you raise those kinds of concerns, yeah, it might all be fun politics. It might all be great for fundraising. It might all be great for, uh, you know, your, I think, I think at this point, Donald Trump intends to run in 2024. And all of this stir serves that purpose and, uh, you know, strengthens his stranglehold on the GOP in the next years. I've already done a podcast on this. But what I want you to hear is right now, as best anyone knows, and I've talked to a lot of people in D.C., I'm not just going by my own analysis. There just hasn't been any evidence. There is no evidence. And this is in more than 50 different court filings it's not just procedure and technicalities the courts are ruling on. Some of them have voted, have really ruled on the merits of the case. There simply isn't any merit to it. There are no facts. There's no official account. There's no record that shows that anything like what's being alleged has happened. And I think we all know, and I say this kindly because I try not to attack people in politics unduly, I think we all know that this is in keeping with Donald Trump's personality that he would claim not to have lost an election that he's actually lost. This is the way he conducted business. This is the way he works in real estate. This is how he functions. This is his personality. This is his nature. And so I understand why patriots and conservatives are concerned. I understand why they may be battling Joe Biden. I understand why they may be tempted uh, to stand with Trump as he claims the election was stolen. I'm just saying there's no evidence and a great deal of damage is being done to the country. So let's get serious Let's realize the facts. Let's let the election stand. And then let's get on with the business, which I plan to join, of opposing a lot of what Biden's administration is going to do and seeing if we can help restore the greatness of America in a way that is not crazed, it is not hair on fire, it is not making outlandish accusations, and does not destroy the republic that we love. 
Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.